And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep making animated Star Wars, Hope Molnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. In this episode, the Mandalorian and Grogu helps a rookie bounty hunter who is in over his head. There will be groundbreaking Tuscans! Pelimoto is the best character, come fight me for it. And we bask in the glory of Ming-Na Wen. We're talking about The Mandalorian, Chapter 5, The Gunslinger this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. No one cares, because we are joined by the host of Space Waffles, the Star Wars podcast for the Kiki Waffle Network. I, I'm a part of that. I talk about it every week. She is the number one Bonic fan, and she's just one of my absolute favorite people in the entire galaxy. I love her to death. I, I adore this woman. Welcome back to the show, Arzu. Thank you. You can't see me. I'm blushing, but I'm very <laughs> excited to be back. I'm so excited because you were on our High Republic episode, so this is your first time hanging with Chris. Yes, it is. Because Chris doesn't know how to read. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> the timing. Welcome to the chaos of the I show. I love it. The brain lag. <laughs> how did how how did Allie des- describe our show as like a, like a chaotic fever dream of a podcast or something? something like that, <laughs> something yeah. Like that. <laughs> That's been my whole day today. Let me tell you. Oh, oh, I cried over fan fiction today. It's fine. Um, I was trying to tell somebody a story, and I was like. And it was about a hospital, and I kept wanting to say hospital, and I just kept saying hotel. And then the hotel, and they'd go hospital, and I'd go thank you, and like it's drink okay. some more caffeine, and it just didn't work. Didn't it's work. Repeat. It's okay, you're old. Thanks. Yes. You're welcome. I True. love you. <laughs> well, well, welcome back to the show, Arzu. I'm so happy to have you here. I am happy to be here. I'm happy to talk Mando. Very excited. Oh, especially like after last week's episode of Boba. Actually, I want, I want to hear about that because I, I know I don't. It's not in the little questions I have written for you here. What do you think? What do you think about the book of Boba Fett? Like me and Chris has been talking a little bit every week about it. What are your thoughts on it? I am enjoying it so far. I think it's it's not what I thought it would be, but I don't think that's a bad thing because I'm you. You know me, Hope. I'm very like character-driven, character-focused, and that's what I'd wanted from this show. And I'm like, well, that's not what I'm going to get. I'm going to get an action series, and there is a lot of action in it. But I'm surprised by, like, how slow and, like, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but, like, slow and mature almost that it feels. Like, it's a lot more introspective than I, I was expecting. Like, methodical almost? Yeah, like, very methodical, and it's a lot of, like, let's talk it out, let's figure it out, you know, like, the politics of the underworld. And I'm like, okay, I can I can jive with this. Like, it gives me yeah. like like super hot twilights, and I'm a happy camper. <laughs> that 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 one that green one. 
<laughs> that, gr that green one hits all my loading great storm buttons. So many buttons are still. You know, I've got to like, I've got to go and look up to see how old Jennifer Beals was when she, she was is, in Flashdance. She, oh, in Flashdance. I was going to say oh. she's 58 now. Okay, so she's only a few years older than me. Oh my God. So she was only a few years older than me when Flashdance came out. Because, like, I remember when that movie came out, I was a teenager and I thought she was like. 30 or something like that, you know. She but, must have been in her 20s then. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, if she must might have been like 19 then, but like Yeah. She looks like she won the genetic lottery because she does not It's hard to tell cuz she's got twilight makeup on. But uh yeah. But even without the twilight makeup, she is yeah. stunning. She's she's she is. She is. She just is. <laughs> she is. Well, I want to talk a little bit about that right here about you because I adore you. And as I said, that uh, Arzu is my fellow geeky waffle. We both write right for the website, um, but she's also the host of Space Waffles. So Arzu, if someone has never heard of Space Waffles, well, Space Waffles, thanks, Hope. Great, Hope. <laughs> Glowing I, I, recommendation. I, 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 <laughs> Space waffles, more like space awfuls. Am I right, everybody? I just came here to get roasted. I'm so embarrassed. Don't look at Hope, me. Hope, Hope came up with that joke like a month ago. She's like, "We got to have her on. I got to use that joke." <laughs> oh God, I ate like a ton of hot dogs tonight. I'm gonna puke. Oh God. Oh. No, no. no. hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like an old phrase. Boy, you're full of hot dogs tonight, Hope. I'm crying. I'm so sorry, Arzu. Oh, okay. oh, I was just on the episode that came out today, too. Ooh. Okay, let's try this again, because Chris is not going to edit any of that deep out. Deep breath, so just... deep breath. Oh, it's going to be that go. kind of episode. It's fine. Um, so if oh, I'm not ever... anything in this episode. Oh, never edit anything. I know, you're such an asshole. Oh. The fart that was heard around the world. I hate you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if someone has never heard of Space Waffles, what is it? So, Space Waffles, like, it, I struggle to describe it in a way that doesn't make it sound like every other Star Wars podcast, but it's essentially an eclectic mix of the things in Star Wars that interest myself and my co-host Candace. So sometimes it is things like we talk about the new stuff that comes out. So like today we had the Fallen Star discussion or we'll do biweekly Book of Boba Fett recaps. But then in the in-between, we talk about the not necessarily new, but like the other Star Wars adjacent stuff that interests us. So like we talked about droids at the end of last year, like the cartoon, the not, not the concept, um, the holiday special. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah, we talked... Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to get like an episode on like shipping or something, but how do we not turn that into just a Raylo episode? I don't know. So, you know, I want to like I don't want it to just be like, I like this thing. Let's talk about this thing. Like I do want to try to Well, why don't you do a Raylo episode it, so. and then just do one where Raylo's banned? And that way you get a whole I'm physically incapable. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. But I don't want it to just be like a list of ships I like. But like, you know what I mean? So it could be like a broader topic of like, what do we like about XYZ? Or it could just be, this is the new thing. Let's let's talk through our feelings. So I mean, I actually yeah. would be happy to come and talk about all the ways I want Callus and Zeb to make out. Listen, that ship is canon until proven otherwise. And even then, 
I've been known to ignore canon, so. And I'm the queen of rare pairs that are sometimes become canon. <laughs> Psycho Meg forever, everybody. <laughs> you who have read Midnight Horizon and I have not. Oh, no comment. They're going to lay up sand and TV sound their way to love. I am so excited for you to read this book. I can't. I wait. can't it's, even tell it's you. A fucking week away. <laughs> no, this One episode, more week. You're almost well, there. Actually, by the time this comes out, it will be out, and I'll be in happy shipper heaven by the time this episode comes out. In like True. Two or three weeks. So, so right. after you're done listening to this, go check in with Hope. See how she's doing. How she's You'll holding see up. Me, you'll see me screaming on my Twitter and be happy and be preaching the gospel that is Cantum Sai. So it's fine. Um. So, I specifically wanted you on this episode because I know what a big fan of Finnick Shand you are. Like, you've written mm-hmm. about her, you've cosplayed her. Um, so, what is it about Finnick Shand that you love so much? So, I didn't start properly appreciating Finnick Shand until season two of The Mandalorian. And that's because, as we will see when we talk about this episode, I thought her appearance on the show was just Ming-Na Wen likes Star Wars, so she's going to play like a bit part. Because, you know, it obviously will get there, but doesn't go well for her in this episode. But then she comes back in season two, and I a lot of this goes to the performance. Beyond her aesthetics just being really cool, like, she is this totally cool as a cucumber, crack shot sniper. But then there, when she shows up with Boba Fett, and he's all like, you know, I found her on the Sands of Tatooine. She's like, he saved my life. And she's still hanging around him. I'm like, okay, she's not just this heartless mercenary that din kind of assumed she was she's got a code of honor she's got this like depth to her there is a whole lot more to her character and obviously the mandalorian isn't her show and it wasn't boba fett's show so they didn't really like dive into that but it's the potential of fennec shand that i like completely fell in love with and then spent a year obsessing over how did you like her in uh, bad batch i i liked that she was there i think i was hoping it would play into us seeing her like in present quote-unquote present day a little more it still could I don't know but I I loved that she was in the Bad Batch those episodes were like a highlight for me because because it was this character I love so much who has who has shown up unexpectedly relatively unexpectedly we didn't know she was going to be in it but Omega kicks in the door and Finnick and Omega are like ah it's you oh my god Hey, you're trying to kill me! You know, water under the bridge. <laughs> That's all joke. good. Wasn't it funny that one time Boba's like, back up, what's going on? <laughs> what's this about water in the bridge? Oh, it's on Camino. it's fine. He's like, oh, Camino flashbacks! And then he has, like, his, like, flashback face on. It's like, I gotta get to the back to tank. He has an angsty moment while they're catching up in the living room. <laughs> so you so you try to kill my lover tried to kill my sister who may or may not be older than me but I don't know and there's these five other men who are following her around that she's actually older uh, I need a back to tank <laughs> <laughs> I think at that point Fennec's gonna be like you know what put it like that I don't even want to process this <laughs> but I love all your family look at them they're precious boys meanwhile Ooh. the Bad Batch are decrepit by now if Rex yeah, they was... would be, if they're still alive they are extremely old let's see Rex was his age in Rebels that was three years before New Hope year then this is five years ago 13 years ago Hope look man I don't know math 
<laughs> no, it would have been 13 years prior to the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. yeah. So they would be like 85 eating oatmeal while Crosshair raves about birds. Yeah, be, they're like, they're really fine. getting up there. Maybe they they're like, not... maybe they plateau like cats. Like once they hit adults, they stay adults until they just like kind of fall off the edge. They are all living with all the surviving clones on a nice, peaceful green planet somewhere. <laughs> Omega just, opens just, a farm for clones. Just kind of vibing. Yeah, that's what's going on. They're oh not my. they're not traveling anywhere. They're just they're just chilling somewhere. The old clone home. Yeah. <laughs> the home for old clones. They I can love- like they can have target practice and whatever else they want to do to still feel active, but like they don't have to be anywhere. They live on the planet Clome. I just imagine the entire Bad Batch doing water aerobics. That's fine. If any of them, <laughs> if any of them, like, like, cut started families, like, their families all live there. And it's, like, it's just a nice community. Oh, it's a retirement I'm... community with, like, with, like, single family homes and, like, communal home for those who, like, would prefer that sit- situation. Like, that's what's going on right now. So but Omega's Florida. like, I'm too young for this. And she goes to Tatooine instead. So it's Florida, pretty much. It's Florida for clones. <laughs> Without the Florida man things. So I hinted at it a little bit when I talked about Bubba being like my lover and my sister. Um, not together, please. Um, <laughs> no, not so, that kind of show. Don't take that out of context. Um, so please explain to me the gospel and glory of Bonnick, which is Boba Finnick shipping. Okay. And why you'll be back next season to talk about that when we go through season two. Simply put, because it's canon. No, um, so <laughs> when they when they show up together in season two, I remember um texting some of our friends and I was like, So so they're fucking, right? After after they show up. I'm like, they they not that you must naturally be fucking because, you know, he saved your life. What that's not what I'm saying. But because they function so well in a partnership and that was obvious before the book of boba fett i was just like there is something appealing and something very romantic about this person who like saved her life we're not entirely sure why out of maybe a sense of obligation because he needed something from her and maybe got what he wanted but then she's still sticking around and like nobody not boba fett not anybody is going to get fennec shan to stick anywhere she doesn't want to stay so if she wants to stay with him, like, obviously they have this rapport. So wouldn't it be nice if these two people who the galaxy has tried so hard to break and harden and make into monsters, like, have a code of their own and later in life, like, find love as well. And I think that's beautiful. My brain went into the gutter. Well, that I, too. But. I, I, I think, though, I, I think they've been purposely, yeah, purposely hinted hinting at that but i think they might want to do it like a cheers type thing you know or a, a will they won't they yeah type or, or are they aren't they or you know is that yeah. is that when, part of it when you said like she's not going to stick anywhere that she doesn't want to be stuck my brain went and then boba's hands took her hips and slammed into her because she was stuck <laughs> listen <laughs> even then she's not getting stuck anywhere she did not consent to being stuck because oh. Boba respects that. He oh, drinks oh. his respect women juice. Open yes, relation, open and open relate. Not well, uh, relationships in the open in Star Wars 
don't end well usually they do not so it's better it's better to have it as subtext if you like your characters you know or, <laughs> That's true. or there's going to be some tragedy in, in you know inserted into the storyline you will I remember die. prior to seeing them together i was like i don't necessarily need this big sweeping will they won't they epic declaration of feeling if it's like you know, that big banquet spread that they've got in the one room in the palace. Like, if it's just them sitting there and then, like, a kiss over the breakfast table and then they both go off to do murder, that's fine with me. I don't... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, that's enough. If it's implied well, we know that they're sleeping in the same bedroom, that's enough. But... Boba's not ace. We know that because we remember... In the, if we remember the... the, <laughs> the Re- Return of the Jedi special edition... I they inserted him talking to a dancing girl, chatting oh, up a dancing girl. Red so. free in my head. That, that is was so, red free in my head. Oh my gosh. That is like the fight that all like the dude bros are like, Bubba can't be gay right either because he like touched this girl. And people are like, he could be bi. They're like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's, yeah, I don't know if that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> he could be bi. Bubba Fett is bi. It's fine. He could be gay and have touched a girl while, you know. Was, he could have been like, let me see your eyeliner, honey. I it like looks your great. Or something. Or he might have just had a had a momentary impulse. Or he might have been in, he might have been in denial at that point. You know, he we don't know. He reaches out to touch her chin. He's just like, girl, your lip gloss is great today. At that point, we had no idea what Boba Fett's internal monologue would be. <laughs> he he <laughs> so. might not even have been cloned with a penis. Well, oh, that's the, that's the that's my go-to. That just seems hugely We don't know unfair. what's going on down in the genital area, so we don't know what people, you know. So, so there might be people having sex in Star Wars. We don't even know it right I'm on sorry. screen, and you we don't cannot, even have any idea. You cannot clone a man that looks like that and not give the good people of the galaxy some sort of outlet to tap that. <laughs> Probably no. He could have been like cloned with an extra large penis, and he's like, "That's my other disintegration rifle." It, look, if you read the clone <laughs> fanfiction, I'm just this. saying they are all extremely well endowed. I was, if I was, clo- <laughs> if I was cloning clones to be to be warriors, I would clone them with. I would give them the teeny peeny so that they were give them all like Napoleon, you know, overcompensation. Well, no, well, no, the Kaminoans are like, you're all bred to be these like brutal warriors, but here's a huge dick as a treat for everyone else. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's Django's doing. Like maybe yeah, Django that, had a tiny penis, and he was like, if everybody thinks that all these clones have a tiny penis like me, you have to give them a big penis, so everybody thinks I have a big penis. Just, that's how just that's just how you get a walls. That's all. <laughs> that is. <laughs> Oh, it's so heavy to carry this extra package. More, more to, more to injure too in battle. That's what the armor's for. Anyway, anyway we're going off they, got, the rails. they got sick of triage with the clone schlongs. <laughs> they had to bring portable little back to tanks that they would just like clamp onto them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I ate so many hot dogs tonight. <laughs> Welcome to J Guys and Jedi. We're full of hot dogs tonight. <laughs> All right, are you guys ready to talk about this episode? Let's do Big it. Big old clone hot dogs. Chris, what did you think about this episode as a whole? I liked it. Um, it it's, takes on a whole new dimension after Book of Boba Fett started. Um, um, 
I don't think I, I think it's a, a, a story builder. Obviously, it's like a story and it's actually a, a, a whole other show builder, too, on top of it. But I, I, I liked it just fine. I, I, I it, it, it it's not like, you know, there's like stylistic episodes and then there's, you know, building episodes. And this one's like bringing in a lot of characters and uh, and building up a lot of, you know, doing a lot of busy work. But it looks beautiful. The, the speeder bikes in this are some of the best speeder bikes scenes I've seen. They're just beautiful. What do you think about this episode? I agree with Kristen that I think it takes on a new meaning post Book of Boba Fett, um, particularly obviously where Fennec is concerned. It's also much, I think, quieter than I remember it being. I don't know if I was just really annoyed with Toro Calican the first time that the whole episode felt loud, but it was a lot. It was a lot quieter and a lot quicker than I remember it being. Not necessarily a bad thing, just just like a general observation. And then, yeah, it did feel like it was building to something else, like character wise for, for Din rather than being all that important to the plot. Obviously that has not changed in retrospect with Fennec being back. Obviously it is setting up a huge plot point, but I think it's more of a character piece than a plot piece as far as they were concerned when they were making it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I, I agree with everything that you're both saying. Um, this is an episode is this kind of episode is exactly why we have Jake guys and Jedi. Because we have we have always looked at shows from the point of view of people who've always watched the shows, not going week to week when they come out. So, like, when this episode first came out, I liked it. I thought it was fine. But, like, in hindsight now with, like, season two of Mando and now, like, Bad Batch and Book of Boba Fett, like, all these other shows, this episode's so much more important now. Um, and it's it's really... It's really interesting in that way of how that changed versus my very first viewing of it in what, what, 2019 versus watching it now in 2022. It just takes on whole new meaning. And it is such a Dave Filoni episode. It screams yeah. animated Star Wars. And I will get into that in my notes. You guys ready? Yes. I'm ready. <clears throat> Chapter 5, The Gunslinger, is the fifth episode of The Mandalorian. It aired on December 6, 2019, and it was written and directed by Dave Filoni. Some extra information for you. Fennec Shand is played by the wonderful Ming-Na Wen. She is one of the few actors who has completed the Disney trifecta, having been in a Disney, Marvel, and now Star Wars property. She is a Disney princess as the voice of Mulan, Agent Melinda May in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and reprised her role as Fennec in both Book of Bubba Fett and The Bad Batch. I definitely wrote The Bad Batch. <laughs> <laughs> the bad, bad. The bad, bad. Peli Moto is played by Amy Sedaris. Her other works include Strangers with Candy, Bojack Horseman, Star Versus, Elf, No Activity, and so much more. And a little fun side note for me, because like probably no one else gives a fucking shit about this. Amy Sedaris was also reunited with Mandalorian cast member Giancarlo Esposito in the show DuckTales, where they actually played partners in that episode, being Phantom Blot and Pepper. So I was, and, there's and a, you know, t- technically, they still may never have even actually met. Because I don't think they do a scene together in The Mandalorian, and they could have just been in two different been recordings. They could their first meeting, and they could have been like, you, me, and you. Yeah. <laughs> and a friend. Toro Calican is played by Jack Cannaval. His other works include Nurse Jackie, Eat Brains, Love, and The Offer. 
The Tuscan Raider Scout is played by Troy Kotzer. He is a deaf actor whose works include CODA, Sue Thompson FBI, and he was also the creator for the Tuscan sign language used in the Book of Boba Fett. And there are also two fun little voice cameos in this one. The first is the spaceport operator being played by Star Wars Rebels actor Steve Bloom. And the other, I was going to see if you noticed this, Chris, because you were like, don't tell me who he plays. The other is the voice of EV-99, the droid who now runs the Moss Eisley Cantina. He is voiced by Mark Hamill. Nope, did not pick that up at all. It's very distorted. I, if I wasn't listening for it really super hard, I would not have picked up it was Mark Hamill. I forget every single time. <laughs> um, and some other information. The concept artist Brian Matias, I didn't practice. Brian Matias referenced medieval jousting helmets, but with a feminine and aggressive curves when it came to designing the headwear for Phoenix Shan. And finally, I'm a, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm going to talk about this later in a note. In an article from Entertainment Weekly, Ming-Na Wen discussed the revival of Finnick after this episode. It was actually Ming-Na who convinced Dave Filoni to revive the character, while because she was originally supposed to die. Um, while on set, when Len, when Wen learned that she and Filoni attended the same high school in Pittsburgh, which she began, uh, which she began using her to her advantage while campaigning for Filoni to for, wow words. She she found out they were in the same high school and she was like, please don't kill my character. Um, when recalls saying to him jokingly, you can't kill an alum, dude. Come on, we've got to figure something out here. There's got to be nepotism. We're both Yenzers. And the reason I bring this up, because to look back at fandom at the time, a lot of fans, especially from East Asian descent, were upset that Finnick was being had been supposedly killed off. Ming-Na Wen is a very much an icon in their community. This episode premiered during a time period in America where violence against East Asian people was on the rise as well. This, of course, brought out the shitty dude bros from the fandom menace, and the fanboys were all like, ah, and they started online harassing a lot of fans, especially of East Asian descent, who were speaking up about how killing off an Asian woman just doesn't look really great. And these fans were requesting for more female and people of color in the writer's room, which is a very reasonable request for a television show. Um, those fans were then validated when it turned out that Finnick was supposed to die in this episode. And then the dude bros that had been trying to silence them for two years uh, kind of got hushed up too because they were just like, oh, well, I guess you're right. But they're still fucking dude bros. Fuck the Phantom in this. Damn right. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I don't have a segue. Uh, I'm sorry, Yoda. I didn't have a segue into you. <laughs> it's hard to come off like harassment into you. Actually, no, that's really, really? easy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Arzu. Yes. Here is your designated spray bottle. If he gets too much, you just shoot him with this water. It's, it's very easy. Here's how you do it. Oh. Those are cute, Yoda. It's that easy. So if he gets too much, just spray him. Older is cuter, Yoda says. Aww. Actually, speaking of really cute things, oh my god, Yoda, did you see what happened to Grogu this week? Grogu, Grogu. Yeah. Did you see Grogu this week? Wasn't he so cute? Taking a little nap with his little toofy sticking out. Yeah. Actually, Yoda, I do have a very serious question for you. Serious question. Yes, yes, finally. I need your wise wisdom, great Master Yoda. Yoda's wisdom is wise it is. 
all 800 years or however fuck old you are. Wisdom. However, Yoda doesn't. Yeah, you know, after 300, it's all relative. Yeah, it's all the same. Yeah, you're pretty much a time lord at that point. <laughs> Yoda. Doctor, Three. who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Very serious question. As I just blew spit all over my screen, it's fine. Um, that mean old bounty hunter was almost hurt Grogu. Wasn't that scary? Like, what should yeah. he have done? Oh, whoops, dropped Grogu. Oh, whoops, dropped Grogu on the train tracks. Whoops. Oh my god, Yoda! <laughs> Yoda, go get that boy. Do not put him on train tracks. Oh, look, train tracks, fun. Mm, frog, frog in there, little frog. Go no, on. no, no, give me, bring, bring, bring Grogu back. Where's the spray Fro bottle? Frog goes too, too. Here, it's okay, it's okay. I got him, I got him, I got Grogu. I got him. He's fine, he's fine. Yoda, you do not put the baby on the train tracks. Yoda always puts the baby on the train tracks. What are you, you know, talking about? If I we, can't believe you, they let Yoda teach for this long. If you keep this up, we're going to send you to the clone farm. <laughs> no, the clone farm is a peaceful place. You know what? And there's nothing but men there, Yoda. You're going to have a horrible time. <laughs> Say something. I apologize to Grogu. We won't send you to the clone farm. Yoda is sorry that it's okay, Mr. Yoda. Grogu. I forgive you. It's okay, Mr. Yoda. I forgive you. Would you like some of my multi million dollar estate? Or would you like some of the Yoda has to go? Okay, bye. We'll sit here with Grogu. You're good. You're such a good boy. We love look at your big dumb ears. We love you so much. You're just tantalizing him now. You're just you're just rubbing it in. I'm waiting for him to turn into a serial killer and snap. <laughs> He's gonna die. Someone's gonna die. Only eight episodes for a season. Just get him through it. You know, throw I, him a I, bone sometime. You know, do you know what? If someone's gonna die, it's probably gonna be one of us. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> At this rate. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, I will say that it, 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 at least Yoda has never threatened us with the Force. Are you yeah, sure? Y'all have that going for you. In 305 episodes, he's never, like, Force-choked either of us? Really? No. No. I mean, oh, he might have, I mean, we, there, he might have, like, wiped our memories a couple times, though. We, I, but we wouldn't know, you know? So I guess it doesn't matter, you know, in the when it comes out in the wash. Huh. The brainwash. Huh. The brain scrape of resistance. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, geez, that's right. I forgot about the brain scrape. All right, you guys ready to get into this? They always forget Let's about the brain scrape. Okay, I'm ready. <clears throat> Feel free to laugh at how my self-esteem. <laughs> but you don't have to actually laugh, but it does make me feel better about myself. <clears throat> Act one. We open in the wide expanse of space and everything's big and black and everything and it's just all like, yeah. And Din is just flying along, minding his own business, having a great time with his dumb son. And this bounty hunter comes out of nowhere and starts shooting his ass. And Din's like, what the hell? I'm trying to be lone himbo and kid here, guys. Like, stop firing at me. And the bounty hunter's like, 
Mando, I'm here to stop you and take your kid. And Mando's like, jokes on you, asshole. <laughs> this ship sucks. Oh, God, everything's on fire. Um, and then the guy's like, well, I could break you in cold or I could break you in dead. And Mando's like, you fucked up my line. And he like, like puts it in reverse and like goes backwards in space and just like pew pews the guy. And the guy's like, no. And Mando's like, fuck you. Say it right next time, brah. But the Razor Crest is all busted up. And of course, out of the tens of bajillion millions of planets in the Star Wars universe, they just happen to be above Tatooine. Because why not? That's how it works. So they just go down to Tatooine. So they land in, of course, Mos Eisley. Because there's nowhere else in the planet to go to. And they land. And he's like, all right, Grogu. I've taken an hour to put you to sleep. Now nap. And he's like, I'm just going to be a good father and leave you here alone to sleep and lock you inside and leave you alone for hours on end because I'm the best dad in the world. Bye. And he walks outside. But oh no, there are droids everywhere. And Den's like, ah, I don't like them. And he shoots one. And then the best character in all the Mandalorian comes out and it's Pelimoto. And Pelimoto's like, did you shoot my droid? What the fuck, dude? You can't just come in here and shoot my shit. He's like, I'm sorry, I have a thing with droids. She's like, whatever, do you need help? And he's like, I need help with a lot of things, but right now let's just focus on the ship and we'll get to my emotions later, okay? And she's like, all right. So she starts looking at the ship and she's like, wow, you are keeping this together with duct tape and wishes, aren't you? And he's like, yep, I'm poor. And she's like, well, there's carbon scoring for looking at me. I'm going to add five extra credits for... I'm just going to add five credits because I want to. It's fine. Because I'm going to just rob you. It'll be great. And Dad's like, cool. Well, I'm going to go out for work and I'll see you later. Don't look inside. And Pelly's like, that's a weird request, but okay, bye. So Din heads on out to look out for work. And Pelly's like, I'm going to play cards and run up his meter. It'll be fine. But then there's a scream inside, and she's like, why is the ship screaming? Oh, God! And the smoke rises and separates, and then there's baby Grogu! And he's like, where's my dad? I woke up, and my dad wasn't here, and I'm so scared! And Pelly's like, I don't, I don't know what you are, but you are the goddamn cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I'm gonna babysit you, and charge twice as much if I have to change your diaper. I love you. Come. I'm going to take care of you and you're mine forever. Dang all this. Himbo goes into town and he goes to the cantina. You know, the one. There's no other cantina anywhere else in Star Wars. It's the only one that ever exists. And he walks in and he's like, hey, Mark Hamill, what's going on? Do you have any work for a bounty hunter? And Mark Hamill is like, I'm a droid now and no. And he's like, fine. And there in the corner is sitting Toro Calican. Like a big old dumb butt. I had no no insults prepared. It's like the big old dumb butt with his big dumb butt in Han Solo's space, and he's like, "I'm cool, and I I have a job if you want to help me, Mando." Mando's like, "Why the hell are you talking like that?" He's like, "Cause it's cool." And he's like, "It's really not. Shut up." And he's like, "I have this bounty puck," and he pushes the pitcher, and a little pitcher of Ming Nanwen comes up, and she's gorgeous and beautiful, and everybody loves her because she's the best. And she, he's like, I'm going to go find this lady in the desert and get her bounty. You want to join? And Den leans in and looks at it and looks at Toro and goes, nah, have fun dying, bro. Do you know who that is? That's Finnick Shan. She's a master assassin. 
assassin, assassin, ha ha ha. And she's gonna kill you. Have fun. And then then starts to leave Taurus like, please, please, I just I want to be friends. I don't know how to do anything. And I'm really scared. And I'm a rich boy. And I don't know what to do with all my fancy clothes. And my dad was like, you can't be a bounty hunter, Toro. And I was like, screw you, dad. I'm going to go be a bounty hunter. And I can't go back until I get into the guild. Can you help me? You can have all the money. And Jen's like, just don't, don't, don't. I just became a dad like a month ago. I can't take children crying. I'm going to adopt you at this rate. If you don't stop, you know what? You're my son now. I will adopt you and I will help you, sweetie. Let's go back to Pelly's. What'd you guys think of Act 1? <laughs> Welcome to Jacobs and Jedi. <laughs> when you say Ashash, Ashashin, Ashashin. It always sounds like Sean Connery. I always think it's Sean Connery. Assassin. No, Hope just doesn't know how to say words. It's fine. <laughs> Arzu, you are a guest. Start us off. What are what's what's one of your general notes about Act One? So, okay. One of the thing that jumps out to me most about Act One is what Dave Filoni does. He does well. Like what he does well, he does very well, and I'm not here to dispute that. But he has this tendency. To, like, distill the worst of what I think that nostalgia is. And he, like, focuses on the stuff he really likes in a way that I can almost feel him sitting beside me sometimes on the couch, like, poking me on the arm going, get it, get it, get it. <laughs> like, we're not just on Tatooine. We're in Mos Eisley. We're not just in Mos Eisley. We're in that cantina. And Toro Calican isn't sitting anywhere. He's sitting at Han Solo's table. And it's like, yes, Dave, I've seen A New Hope. And that's just, that's always what I think of when I see Act One. I'm like, yes, I get it. But other than that, I do like I do like the general concept of visiting a world that we are familiar with now because we can kind of track where the world has gone. It helps me feel the passage of time a little better and you know how much I like to keep track of those things. So I appreciate that about Act One. I love Palimoto. I have I just I love her so much because I, I like Amy Sedaris. So as soon as she showed up, I'm like, yes, she's here to be absolutely nuts. And she was. And she, you know. I, I expected the worst she's, of her when it came to like Grogu. My, one of my favorite characters of the show. I fucking love Pelimoto. She's so much fun. And I like. So fun. I expected the worst of her. Like, ooh, I'm going to kidnap this child and hold him ransom. And she's just like, oh my God, this himbo left a baby here. Like, <laughs> so it was just, you know, thank you, Pelimoto, for not, for, for not enabling my desire to believe the worst in you. So I appreciated so that. I want to jump on something you said because 99% of the time I would absolutely agree with you about the nostalgia. Um, I I hate Tatooine. I hate every time we go back to Tatooine. We're always Amen. on Tatooine. <laughs> no more always, Tatooine, honestly. Always on no fucking more Tatooine. Tatooine. And I feel that way 99% of the time. The only reason I disagree here is how it's used to tell where we are in the timeline, how much has changed. And it's taking something that's very familiar, being a new hope, and showing how drastically different. Like the Empire is gone. You have that like haunting photo, like image of the stormtrooper helmets on pikes. The huts are gone. 
There's the streets aren't as colorful. They're not as lively. There's no more bounty hunters. The canteen is practically empty. So I do like it here because I do think it's a very good way to show the passage of time by using something that is just so familiar and being and showing how drastically different it is. And now I hate that we're still there at Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> the <laughs> like, thing is, oh I God. don't mind that we're there in Book of Boba Fett because we're in Mos Espa, yeah, which makes me think place. we're in a different city. But it's also like the city that we were in in The Phantom Menace. I said that right. Yeah, The Phantom yes. Menace. For some reason, I'm like, nope, that's not it. But yeah, we're in the we're in the same city we were in in the Phantom Menace, which you know it, it ties back to the prequels. So as like a prequel kid, I'm like, okay, this is totally hypocritical. But I'm like, this is from my generation now. We're not pretending that the only people watching this are the people who who grew up on four, five, six. Like now, it's like, okay, this is this is a bigger story now. So I don't mind it as much in the book of Boba Fett. But here, I was just like, yes, Dave. You have seen Star Wars. I understand. Yes, you met George Lucas. Yes, I can see that. Like, that's the impression I got with the I do, setting. I but... do agree with you. It is a little heavy-handed, which I do agree with you um, on that on that point. Because it's like, there's like one too many, you know? Yeah, I think if it had been like, we're in Moss Eisley and we pass the cantina and we can see that it's empty, but we're actually meeting Toro here. I'm like, yeah. okay, I, I, could, yeah. I could jive with that. I, frankly, I was just astonished he didn't make him park in Docking Bay 94. Like, Well, the, the shot coming <laughs> into the Docking Bay was right over the same ridge that Obi-Wan and, and Luke and the droids stood in just before when he's like, Moss Eisley, you'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. It, he, they flew over the same ridge to go in, and which I guess There's would make sense. There's one road in Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's space, so they could come in from any angle. They could come straight down into their landing pad or whatever. But, you know, they got it. I was looking at it. I'm like, oh, there's where Luke and... But that's me, and 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 we're all so steeped in it. There, There's so many levels of Star Wars fans and casual viewers and stuff that there's, you know... A good a chunk good... that a good chunk that probably didn't even pick up on it are just like are these that that probably don't even know the difference between Mas Epsa and Mas Eisley and just assume they've all been the same city. And that's a very valid point because we have to keep in mind that like we are deep diving Star Wars fans. So for like a general audience fan, this is probably very cool. But for but, I mean for out. Star Wars fans, like the the canteen, all those shots like are burned into your memory. So when the camera hits them again, you're just like, oh, there's that. You know, it's it's you know. Yeah, you were about to say something. There's no subtlety to it. it. Like I was almost thinking, if you take it back another level, like you saying casual fans recognizing shots. I'm thinking of like the casual fans in my life, like not not my not my parents or my brother, or whatever, because they you know they're a little more deep dive. But like other casual fans that I know probably wouldn't even remember those shots. Like they probably have no idea right. that Moss Eisley is where that cantina was in the first place. So it feels heavy handed to me, but it might not like, you know, casual fans watching the Mandalorian because we did see what a crossover hit it was like and how widespread of a hit it was. A lot of people really didn't even notice. Chris, you're an OG fan. Like, you know, you saw original Star Wars in the theaters. So how I am saying you're old, but I love okay. you. No, you're vintage. I'm so, my niece <laughs> called me old this week, and I was like, <gasps> <laughs> and I was like, that's oh my why. God. That's why you keep calling me old. Okay. And, yeah. and then Allie called me hope? old. 
Allie called me old backhandedly because she's great and we love her. So I just I, I have to throw somebody else under the bus to make myself feel better. <laughs> no, but did this work for you, though? Like, you know, to go back to pretty much all these very familiar locations that you have grown up with your, literally your entire life. Yeah, yeah. But I'm also I'm not a I'm not a sentimental person, really. I, you know, I mean, I have sentimentality, <laughs> stuff, but I don't, nostalgia. Nostalgia. <laughs> I don't get nostalgic. I don't get nostalgic. I'm sentimental, but I'm not nostalgic. And so, like, I get I, 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 I totally like agree with the feeling of just like, oh, we get it, Dave. We get it. I don't I don't need or necessarily a lot of the times even like like callback like callbacks unless they're done really well, like in, uh, was it the last episode, the last episode, no, a couple episodes ago where they had the, the, the monkey in the, Oh, the quacky monkey lizard. The yeah, quacky the first monkey episode. watching, watching the other one get, get fricasseed. And he's just sitting there going like, Oh, Oh, oh. it's like, yeah, we recognize that thing, but it's a variation of it and it's inventive and it adds to the general, you know, uh, atmosphere of everything and it works, you know, but when it's like, Hey, look, here's this thing, you know, but Dave Filoni also is very good at, if he does that, he makes it, he, he, you know, like I didn't want to see Boba Fett come back at all. I wasn't really, yep. you know, I was like, we Boba Fett was team, a side character. People thought he was cool. That's great. Let him go, you know? And Dave Filoni made him into a real character. So now I'm now I'm invested in him. Now I'm now I'm a fan of Boba Fett and I like I'm interested in seeing what he's doing and stuff like that. But it it can it it, it can get the, the the references to I like it when it's more, you know, like like they did in the last episode of uh, Boba Fett where it was, uh, you know, references to like Back to the Future and stuff. And but not direct, you know, there wasn't a character named Marty McSpacefly or something. It was just sort of, you know, a, a couple shots that were the same and stuff. And it and it and it evokes it, you know, and it and it and that's something that worked really well in Clone Wars too. So I, I love it when it shows up in this. But yeah, it can get it can get uh but it were it, it worked it 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 worked for me in general because of what you said. It's it, it's different. You go in and there's a droid working, so you know it's so. It's just like yeah, crime's been down, so so is business. You know. What were some of your thoughts on that one, Chris? Um, um, I'm not gonna call him Toro. I'm gonna call him Wish.com James Franco. Oh. <laughs> And well, it's true. You're not wrong. No. Oh. Um. Oh my God, I can't unsee that now. I too. Ooh, poor I, Jake Kennebel. Oh my God. I too was uh, scared by Amy Sedaris because I only remember her like as a live action character from well, Strangers with Candy, where she was just over the top. So this is her like restrained. But it still pushes that edge of almost like a, a um, little exaggerated TV character or something, but only for maybe like the first minute that she's on screen. And then 
her her whole world sort of clicks in and you know it's 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 fine you know her character is totally believable um i actually have a note about that so i'm gonna hop in right fast and slide in here because i remember when this episode first came out a lot of people did not like peli and toro because because they were kind of like over the top and a little bit like exaggerated in a live action show and it hit me why i liked it so much is because these are straight up animation characters Pelly yeah. and Toro are the kind of characters that you would see in Rebels or Clone Wars or Resistance. Like that, like big over the top, like, because Pelly has almost like a Hondo energy. And Toro, I'm so sorry, is a very shitty version of Ezra and Kaz. And I'm sorry to Ezra and Kaz for saying that. I think like, it's very unfair to Ezra and Kaz because Toro is annoying. He is, he's, but the thing is, is like he has that kind of like bumbling energy that Kaz does, but he's also trying to fake it till he makes it. But he also has like the sass of Ezra, so he really reminds me of like those kind of character types. Like I, I noted, like when he's like pr- like pulling his blaster on Mando and joking, like "Oh, old man," he's like pulling it out and then like twirling it, and then Mando's like, "Are you done?" and he almost drops it. That is almost a Kazuto Ziona scene from Resistance, like almost exactly. And I think that's why I like that. But it's so weird to see these animation kind of characters in live action. Because in live action, we don't always get the bigness of animation. Does that make sense? Like the big big character is what I mean. I'm almost wondering if maybe that was the problem people had was they wouldn't have been opposed to these characters in animation, but because it it doesn't strike the same tone as the rest of the series so far. Yeah, she 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 speaks in a sort of modern cadence and her her way of acting is very it, it's it, it could be out of a modern, you know, modern sort of family dramedy TV show, you know, like the the weird neighbor lady, you know, the kind of weird neighbor lady or whatever, you know. So it, it, people and people get like they want their they they want their Star Wars to be completely immersive in whatever way that they personally get immersed in it, and, and so anything that might take them out in any little way is. And I personally, I enjoy, you know, if if you're gonna have Star Wars around for forty or fifty years, you know, if it's gonna be something that's gonna be around for you know generations or whatever it's going to have to ad- uh, adopt and adapt stuff from from modern you know the times that it's being filmed in and it's going to have to add elements that <clears throat> might not have been in the original movies or something because you have to make it you know it has to be interesting and it has to be interesting to young people too Arthur, you're so, about to say something i was going to say it doesn't bother me with pelly like the modern sort of cadence because it does fit that, you know, she doesn't come from this sort of serious regimented, whatever that Mando does. She works in a, in a docking bay. Like she's kind of got that vibe. I don't know what show they wrote Toro Calican for. I don't think it was this one. They wrote it for Star Wars Rebels. (laughs) Apparently. And then they showed it to the writing crew. They're like, I don't want that anywhere near my show because he just, he doesn't fit in a way that like, and Dave was like, I'm Dave Filoni, fuck all y'all. Basically, like, I I almost feel like I'm like, Dave wrote this character, didn't he? Like, here's here's a Han Solo that He's like, I'm hates. using it. I don't care. He's it's the mirror Han Solo. Han Solo is what it is. 
Yeah. Yeah, he's he's the mirror Han Solo and every like like I just hate his liver lips and he's got the fly catcher <laughs> thing where his mouth is always open and that like ah, so you know he's always just like uh, and he's and he's got the weird face pubes going on with the liver lips and they just made you know I mean it's got to be purposeful because you go through makeup and stuff like that they're like let's make this guy like they 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 sort of did the like let's make him really uh, first being just like oh he's just a dumb kid then like oh he's a big douchebag and then like well. Maybe he might be, uh, you know, we could have a, we could have an arc where he he, you know, learns his lessons and and might become a good character. And then you're just like, no, nah, you know what? You should probably just kill this guy off because he's just like, yeah, he's he's too dumb to live in the universe anyway. It's amazing that he's that age. I think the guild just sent him off to get killed to so he would leave him alone. <laughs> That's a grim, but I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> I get the feeling he's a rich boy. He feels like a rich boy. Ooh, yeah, because he had all the new he's equipment. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's and a I think that's softy. And I think that's why he reminds me of Kaz so much. Because at the beginning of Resistance, Kaz was a senator's son who suddenly had to slum it, and he just did not know how to function. And he really reminds me of Kaz in like episode one, episode two, episode three of Resistance. Yeah, but but Kaz was good-hearted. He wouldn't be sitting yeah. there pulling, oh, yeah, pulling that's his different. gun on what he thought was a sleeping person just to, you know. Kaz is a good boy TM. With... Toro Kalkan is a serial killer like in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, the yeah. what, what was that kid? The affluenza teen or something? Oh, or, God. It, it, that's his exact yeah, energy. Just sociopath, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Chris, did you have any other notes for Act 1? Yeah, let's see. Do you think, like, okay, Amy Sedaris, maybe her character might have been like, you know, maybe I could get some money for Grogu. But do you think, like, years ago, some Tibetan monks came to our town to do, like, an installation at a museum, and they would come to our restaurant to eat every day. And when I tell you those people were, like, the best vibes I've ever felt, like, from anything or anyone like they would walk into the restaurant and everybody would be like oh hello you know and they'd be just smiling at everybody and everybody's like the monks are here and everybody would crowd around him you think Grogu's like that he's got just like that 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 good vibe Jedi energy and just like she was just like oh I wonder what this oh I near him I will answer that in Act 2 because I have a note that's almost... Actually, fuck it, I'll just go ahead and talk about it now. Um, We're just decimating our Act 2 notes here. I I took one out, too. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) I took my liver lips note out. (laughs) I'd like to formally apologize to Jake Callahan or whatever your name is. (laughs) Like, we're sorry. Um, No, No, you did a very good job of being a a very unlikely character. Yeah, Yeah, good job. Um... Because we talked about this a little bit last week, but this was the first time I, I actually noticed it, that I picked up on it throughout the rest of the series, is Din kind of uses Grogu as a litmus test to kind of test how good people are. Because when Pelly like when when Pelly has Grogu, Din is like, give him to me. And then she's like, No, like he's fine, like he was hungry. And he sees that Grogu is comfortable with her. He immediately yeah. drops it and thanks her. Yeah, he's just like, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw that last week with Cara Dune when, like, Den and Cara was fighting. And then he looks over and Grogu's, like, drinking his meme tea. And he's like, oh, Cara, you want lunch? Come on. <laughs> like, but and compare that to, How can you fight like, after that slurp? 
and but compare that to like Warner Herzog in episode three. Like, <laughs> yeah, Goku is crying and screaming like with Werner Herzog, and like it didn't like my child is endangered. He's, he's um, a Nazi it's, it's, golem, that's why he is a Nazi golem. I love him. Um, you know, for being a Nazi gal, for being Werner Herzog, I don't actually like Nazis, but don't, don't take that out of context. Um, but yeah, I, 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 this was the first time I actually noticed that Din uses Grogu as a litmus test of like seeing how people react to his kid, and that tells him how to re- react around people. I hadn't thought yeah. of it like that. Interesting, that you meant. Like I had not. Are you saying that that's why he left Grogu behind, or is that not necessarily what you're suggesting? He, because he was, I think he was going to hide Grogu because he was like, my kid's going to nap for two hours. That's fine. Um, and But when he saw Amy Sedaris holding the, his kid, he was like, he was very harsh at first. But then he saw that his kid was completely comfortable, completely chill. And then he trusts Gro- Grogu's instinct with this woman. And he's like, thank you. And now Grogu, now, not Grogu, now Amy, Amy Sedaris, <laughs> Pelimoto is the way, where I'm trying to get into the sentence. Then now Pelly is one of his allies that he keeps going back to because he sees how much his kid immediately trusted her. And we see this kind of continue on, like when he first meets Ahsoka, Ahsoka shows up and almost kicks his ass. But once he sees how Grogu is around Ahsoka, Din drops all his guard. He's like, okay, this person is cool. You know, well, Amy with- Sedaris, he's also seen Grogu stop a gigantic uh, space rhinoceros in its tracks. So, yeah. You know, um, does that make sense, Arzu? I'm just kind of rambling. Yeah, up. it does. It does. I was just wondering, like, yeah. No, you explained it. Makes sense mm-hmm. to me. Did you have anything else about Act One that you wanted to talk about, Arzu? No, I think we covered it. I'm Towards good. Kind of all is all I'm going to say. Although he does a very good job. He does. He does. I'm good. Did you have anything else, Chris? No, ma'am. I'm right, take a sip of my seltzer water. My meme tea. Your hot dog chaser. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, careful, careful. That's my OnlyFans name. <laughs> no. <laughs> what an aggressive name. No, it'd be aggressive. If, well, no, I was about to say it'd be aggressive, but it would be Teenage Boy if I was Hot Dog Chaser 69. Act two. How about that? <laughs> Welcome to our show. Didn't we say chaotic preview dream? Welcome. Are you glad you're here? <laughs> so glad. So glad without a trace of irony. See, when I'm on your show, like you see like the professional level. This is just hope unleashed. It's fine. All right, where are we? We're talking about multitudes. I do, I do. I'm a woman. It's of all those it's all those phosphates and the hot dogs. They 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 go right to your brain. But you know what? Someone can boss my fates. All right. Let's, oh, Jesus. let's go. <laughs> Just do act two. Jeez. Okay, okay. Act two. Act she two. whiz. Act two. She so, whiz, guys. So, Dan gets back to the hangar and he's all just like, do, 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 do. And he stops and he goes inside the razor crest and he sees the door is open and there's a blankie with no baby and he panics. He's like, oh, my child is gone. Where is he? Who has sold him for money? Is he dead? I don't know. It's only been 10 seconds and I'm panicking. And he runs outside. He's like, Pelly! Pelly, where's my kid? And Pelly comes out. She's like, I just got him to sleep and now, he, look, look, he's eating a cookie. I gave him a cookie. Why? I just wanted to let you know that I love this child and I'm going to put him down 
and pet his little head and turn towards you, Mando, because how the fuck do you leave a child alone? You call yourself a father? And Jin's like, hey now, I've only been a dad for a month and it's really difficult because I was raised by a cult of Mandalorians and they don't hug. They don't hug at all. And Pelly's like, oh, do you want a hug? And he's like, can I have a hug? And then Pelly gives him a big old mom hug and he's like, I feel better. And she was like, well, I'm going to help you out with this, okay? So... This is, I'm going to take your child and I will take care of him. And Din sees that Grogu is really chill with Pelly and he's like, Thank you, I gotta go kill someone now. Bye, son. So Himbo Din goes outside. And Toro's like, Sup, look at my bikes. They go vroom vroom. I'm a shitbag. And Din looks at him, he's like, Alright. And Toro looks over and gets a full look at Pelly and the kid. And he's like, Sup, ma'am. Like, he made, like, his, like, what'd you call him, liver lips? Like, his little liver lips pursed together. And he's like, what's up, lady and baby? Billy's like, you better get the fuck off my doorstep or I will put my boot up your ass yourself. And Den's like, stop flirting with my child. You're a pedophile. Let's go. So they get on the (laughs) show. We are just throwing this. That is not what happened. Hope. No, Hope. Bad Hope. Bad Hope. (laughs) That is not what happened. I, I would like to again apologize to Jake for sorry that we're throwing your character so far under the bus. Jeez, I just called him liver lips. You, uh, wish.com James Franco. Jeez, hope. You're... This is like Kaz's curse again where I had to actually issue a formal apology to Steve Bloom. Again, we are very sorry <laughs> Serial Steve killer. Bloom. Oh my god. Again, not, very sorry to Steve gonna Bloom. Repeat. Anyway, so they zoom zoom out into the dune sea, and it's really cool, and the music's all like dun 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 like going across the sands. But then they stop, because Den's like, we have to stop right here. And they come to a stop, and they look out, and there's Tuscans in the in the distance. And Toro's like, oh, the Tuscans, you know, they are all invading and stuff, and Den's like, uh, they are the original people who lived here. Like, everyone else invaded them. And Tora's like, whatever, colonialism rocks. And he's like, are, are you gonna tell them that? And Tora turns around, and there's two Tuscans, and the Tuscans are like, hey, what was that about colonialism? <laughs> and he's like, uh, 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 help, Mando, help. So Mando's like, first of all, chill out. Also, keep your mouth shut. And he's like, hi, Tuscans. Can we please go across your land? And the Tuscans are like, what's the price? He's like, here, have this shitty guy's stuff. And he gives them all of Toro's stuff. And the Tuscans are like, yeah, that's cool. Thanks, man. We appreciate that. Thank you for asking. Uh, you can cross our lands and, you know, just don't, like, do anything crappy. And Den's like, all right, awesome. Goodbye. And they get back up on top of their bikes. And Toro's like, how did you do that? And Den's like, I just treated them with, with respect like people. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you died in this episode. All right, let's go. So then they go speeding across the, the thing, the, the sand, and they get to the other side. I totally lost my spot. Where am I? There we are. And they set out again looking for Finnick. And, you know, another like, hour of, like, cool, like, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun music is playing. And they finally stop at a sand dune. And off in the distance, there's a ridge. And Den's like, there it is. I bet she's there. And Den is like, and Toro's like, how do you know? And because there's a dewback, and the dewback's all like, hey guys, I'm cute. What's up? There's a dead guy stuck to me. Can you get him off me? He's heavy. And Den, being the wonderful himbo he is, just 
runs out into the open. And he's like, I'm just gonna go look at this dewback because he's cute. And he runs over and he's like, Who's a good dewback? Are you a good dewback? And the dewback is like, I'm a very good dewback. Can you get the dead guy off me, please? It's heavy. And it's like, I'm gonna get this dead guy off of you. You're a good boy. So he gets the dead guy off. And he's like, Huh, that's not Finnick. And then didn't get shot because he's a dumbass. <laughs> and he runs back and there's Finnick up on the ridge. And she's like, What's up, suckers? And she's all like, Pew, pew, pew. And she like hits Den in the ass, but luckily. <laughs> He has an ass for Baskar. He's got his Baskar on. He's got, oh. <laughs> his Askar on. And he gets shot in the ass and he falls over. And Toro's like, you are right." He's like, yeah, I'm fine. It got me hitting the best car. Toro's like, I don't have Baskar. He's like, I know. That's why you die this episode. It's fine. So they decide they're just going to wait out during the dark. to Because that's the best time to get Finnick when it's nighttime. The sunset falls and it's all mysterious and dark and nobody can see anything because in this day and age nobody knows how to fucking film scenes at night where we can actually see stuff. Game of Thrones and the show. And Den's like, all right, we got these flashes. We're gonna zoom out there as fast as we can and just flash her. <laughs> Put your pants on, Toro, not like that. Take the flashes. And so they get on their bikes and they go zoom, zoom, zoom. And they fly, fly out there. And, and there's too many characters in my brain. Finn's like, oh, here they come. And she's all like, pew, pew, pew. And they're like, all right, we're going to flash you, pichu. And so they flash. And Finn's like, ow, my eyeballs. And they're like, it's working. And then she pew pews more. And they flash, flash more. And Tora has to put his pants back on. And Finn's like, ow, my eyeballs, for multiple reasons now. And she finally gets Den in the bike. And Den goes flying off his bike. And they're like a dumbass. He just stands up in the middle of the desert. Doesn't hide, doesn't run, just stands there. And Finnick's like, oh, that's easy. She shoots him around the head because she can. And she's amazing. But during all this, Toro gets up there and he's all like, surprise, I'm gonna fight you. And then Finnick kicks his ass. <laughs> There's no way around it. She just beats the shit out of him. And it's so satisfying, so gratifying. He gets punched in his liver lips and it's so good. I love it so much. The only reason that she doesn't win is because Din shows up. He's just like, hey, could you just put his arm back in there? Yeah, just like that. And, and put these binders on. You know, there you go. There we go. And they capture Finnick! What'd you think about two? Are you okay? <laughs> I've just been sitting here giggling the whole time. <laughs> Good, that makes me feel lovely. Thanks. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> unrelated, but I really like your note. Din stands in the sands like a dumbass and gets shot. He does! Oh, he's so dumb. Pretty much what happens. <laughs> I mean, Din, I love Din, but he really is a himbo. He's so dumb. It just, it's like, it takes him about 10 seconds longer to react to any given thing. And that's why we love him. I, I just... I, I will always remember that the part that I realized how completely dumb he is was in the episode of Bo-Katan. And the Mandos are all so cool. And they're, like, taking cover. And they're like, we need to get up there. And he just runs at the door getting shot at. <laughs> like, I got it. <laughs> he just gets shot at and falls to the ground. And Bo's I mean, like, that works. I think his finest himbo moment was when Grogu was on the rock meditating. And he's looking for an off switch on a rock. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Sure. <laughs> anyway, um, Act Two: Fennec Shand, an utter delight for that reason alone. 
I love it so much. I love that my queen is here. Um, I, how do I put this? I love the Tuscans. This is what I want to talk about. The Tuscans. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about like, the Tuscans. Especially so, now with Book of Boba Fett. Especially Book of, but the funny thing is, this was not, because you know me, you know I like to like read all the books. This was not the first time in the books that they had suggested that the Tuscans were the original inhabitants of Tatooine. Um, it was like dropped in the Phantom Menace. Not, I keep I keep thinking I'm saying that wrong. The Phantom Menace novelization that came out like before the movie did. Qui Gon tells I think Padme, but possibly Jar Jar that the Tuscans who live on Tatooine were there first. And I just love this notion of like rehabilitating the image of the t- of the Tuscan Raiders. They are not sand people. They are not the aggressors. They are the people whose homes were taken. And I like that this was brought like to the mainstream on screen in Mando. I think that's that's one of the standout moments in this episode for me overall. And I like that Book of Boba Fett has doubled down on that. Yeah, like this is this was massive. Um, you know, because the books and the comics and everything like that are, are just such a minority of the fandom consume this. So when we're yeah. thinking of like general audience people, this is really the first time that so many people saw the Tuscans being humanized. Like they have this language, you know, and then it's continuing in the book of Fett that there's this culture and they have children. And it's it's really cool to see something that was like for so long like a very harmful stereotype in a lot of ways to be like seeing it revitalized and just given just like this very like humanizing element to it yeah it was like the old it was like the old days the way the star Wars, the the original star wars you know they were treated like american indians in a in a 40s or 50s movie you know yes yeah, so oh, they, they shoot they shoot at you from the ridge and they're you know and they're just and 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 thirty years later we're in the seventies and then you have you know the the movies that were that take it from the the you know like um, little big man or something that take it from the completely different opposite point of view, which is I mean Star Wars I I mean I think George Lucas started that with the prequels, and and it just got picked up on you know that like every everybody's got their got a got a point of view. And there's like, there's there's very few things in Star Wars or 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 groups or aliens that haven't gotten humanized a little bit or or you know or or made, you know even Darth Vader you know it started with Darth Vader but that I mean they could have done it in Episode One but they didn't it was clumsy I think George Lucas wanted to humanize him by you know by making everybody go boy it was awful how anakin you know just murdered the whole thing but it was just done so awkwardly it was it was awkward because it was like anakin just murdered a bunch of them and then there's that and his fall and like the strains of the darth vader theme that i may or may not be inventing i have no idea if that actually happened in the movie and then we have the funeral and then two seconds later we're off on an adventure and he and padme are in love and then we end on their wedding like it doesn't yeah yeah it doesn't sit with him long enough yeah it doesn't like sit, really with, sit with us the either. Scale of what he just did, yeah. Especially because how quickly like Padme is like, "Oh, you slaughter people, you poor boy." Like, <laughs> it's it's such a weird scene as well, and it, especially considering that this is the same movie she marries him in. Like, mm-hmm. I understand I, why they fell in love. I totally get that. I'm not here to dispute that, but it's very fast considering what he did. Imagine if that was like a television show. 
like episode two was like you know so you actually could watch them fall in love and like really go through like those beats and everything oh i am a very big advocate that star wars works best in television that's just me <laughs> i am very much in a minority of that um and i, I think that's why it's so for now <laughs> great to see the book of boba fett and like how far we've come because like you know this was a, a big first and i remember the fandom when this episode came out they were like holy crap this is amazing and like so many like indigenous fans just being like oh thank god uh th thank you for like doing this um and of course that's had some backlash with the killing of the tough skins in the book of boba fett and falling back on those very negative tropes uh chris and i talked about that like what like two weeks ago or something like that um actually we might have talked about that before the show and not actually on the show who knows we'll get a book of boba fett eventually y'all um but it's it is still interesting that they're coming so far but there's still a conversation to be had that we're still falling on some like negative tropes that has always been around in media and they missed a chance to like change those you know yeah yeah um chris what, what were some of your thoughts about act two um i differ on the the glance that that um Franco gave to uh, uh, Pelly and Grogu. I think he looked him up and down and he goes, oh, she's got her baby. Oh, oh, how did that? What? OK, whatever. <laughs> and he, he just gives it a sort of like, oh, and like it. And he's dumb, too. So he doesn't figure it out till Fennec's talking to him. And it's but like, yeah, she has a child. He was like, that wasn't his pet. He was, was trying baby. to figure out how that worked. You know, he was picturing, you know, he was picturing Peli plus Yoda equals this, maybe? I don't know. Um, There's a great fan art that someone did of Omera looking at Grogu, and then Omera looking at Din, and, like, looking him up and down and going, how do your ears fit under that helmet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. And my, my only other note is... Uh, um, it's kind of an acting note on the the guy who played James the guy who played the version of James Franco is he gets knifed. She hits him with one of her little with one of her little hidden wrist knives. And at, so but hot. after after she beats the shit out of him, he should be like nursing a wound. She like hits him in that like probably hits him in the hand or the arm to make him drop his gun. And so, like, it would have been, a, I think it would have been a better acting thing if he was, you know, nursing his arm and just, like, you know, glaring at her afterwards. He's in he's in pretty good shape after the beating she gave him. That's the, a they, continuity error. That's on the yeah. script, that, not the script coordinator, but that's the on the, the director and the continuity person who sits with the director who's like, okay, well, if she hit him on the left side, like, they take notes on this. Yeah. Because, you know, between shots it could be like four or five hours. So nobody remembers. So they right. have to be like, well, she hit him on the left side. So he should be nursing a wound on the left side or whatever. And there was a but disconnect I mean, they, yeah. and somebody didn't tell him. They, so. had to do a, they had to do a close up of her, of her, you know, of her pulling her knife out. And, you know, they, it was, yeah. So I was just, I, I was, I was like, yeah, it would have been, uh, he, it, he just general, I he, like a beating like that with you, you, would would show like i would have liked to see this face a little beat up too but then again i just would have liked to see the liver lip face beat up a little bit too. <laughs> i like to think that she was aiming for like the sun don't shine but he's so dickless that it just hit air <laughs> 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 
Uh, I'm here all week, everybody. <laughs> did you well, that's it, all uh, I got for Act Two. Did you have any uh, other thoughts, Arsu? No. Queen Fennec Shand can do no wrong. Never has, never will. So I just two more quick little points. Um, one thing that I always love about animation over live action is when you have night scenes in animation, you can fucking see them on screen. Yes. I, ever ever since I, 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 that's one thing I noticed with this episode is when I had I had a different monitor when I originally watched this, and I remember during the last half of this you know, the whole night scene going like, what the hell is going on? And I could see it a lot better on my new monitor. I don't know if my old monitor was maladjusted or, or whether this one's just bigger or something, but I could see it slightly better, but yeah. Yeah. They, they really don't like, I, I think they do some sort of process close to day for night a lot of times. And it just, it comes out as mud. I don't a lot know of why this train. This is a trend too, because of course there was a big hullabaloo, and and some of it, I, like in the in the case of like Game of Thrones, a lot of it is to hide like CGI. You know, probably during this fight scene, it wasn't Mingna. It was probably her stunt double. So it kind of like hides that it's a stunt double. Um, same thing with Toro, but like we have to see the scene. You know, you can I, still you can still bounce a thin light off their you know the the edge bit. of their their character to give that you know the, and, there's and it is a trend where recently with a lot of TV shows they want to go for like the more realistic nighttime but then yeah. you, like why film shit and at all then like if you can't even see it like no. I, I would rather take a little bit more of a mystical stance of being like the like you can see some of it no. like we still know it well, think we of the one we fucking watched the Ewoks <laughs> movie where it's clearly no, the be- sunlight just in the, the very- distance but we know it's nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> the very beginning, the very beginning of the episode where he's getting chased by the the uh, uh, the other bounty hunter who's shooting at him is very yeah. like colorful and stylized and bright and not super realistic. You know, it's it's kind of animated like you know, so that so it's it's not like they're just going for realism. You know, Amy Sedaris's character is a, a really a realistic character. She's an exaggerated character. So. You're not going for that, so you, I, yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. I don't. Also, I, I feel like Tatooine. Maybe I remember mixing it up with something else, but I feel like Tatooine has more than one moon. I think it does yeah. too. Yeah. Where is the moon? Moonlight in the desert is quite bright. Yeah. Here you go. Think of this: Maul and Obi Wan's fight in Twin Suns in Star Wars Rebels was on Tatooine at night. The fire was put out. You could see every single shot of it. Sure. Hmm. And it was so much better than this. And it no, there's. Me. I mean, there's been. I mean, there's been a hundred years of cinema where there's been cinematographers who have, who have learned how to shoot at night. So you know, by you know, it's like okay, you have a fire going or whatever. And if you don't really have a light source, there's ways of still putting light on that. Like nobody but another cinematographer is going to be like, why is there light hitting? You know because well no you know those like dudes are gonna deep dive on youtube and call it a plot hole because we can see properly yeah and then monetize it well yeah but that's okay that's their side hustle or whatever good good for them but it gives them a place to jerk off and make money because they don't have only just as long as just as long as the people (laughs) aren't listening to them i don't care you know as long as the people who are doing the show can inure themselves to that or or the people that give them the money and 
some of the orders can just like look at those guys and go like, okay, yeah, they're a statistical reality. <laughs> Let's just uh, let them cry. Let them cry it out. Good cry. They'll get tired eventually. No. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I have for Act 2. Did you, you guys ready to move on and wrap the puppy up? Let's do it. Just wrap this puppy in some nice prap and like make sure give it some nice air holes so the puppy can breathe. So wrap the puppy Always up. Always with the air holes, Hope. Jeez. You have to make the puppy. What kind of sadistic person are you? Go and sit in the t- corner with Toro. We're keeping the puppies alive. <laughs> <laughs> Act 3. So they have Finnick, and Finnick's like, hey guys, you got me. And Din's like, yeah, we did. And Tora's like, what do we do now? And they get down down to the ridge, and they only got one bike left. And Din's like, all right, guys, let's all get on the bike. And Tora's like, no homo. And he's like, really? Like, what, really? Like, it's the fastest way back. And, and Tora's like, no, I'm Toro, no homo, Calcan, I'm not. And Din's like, fine, then go get the do bag. And Tora's like, so you can take my steel and my money? Hell no. Den's like, so you can go off with the same prim- what the fuck ever. I'll go get the do back. It likes me. I freed it of the dead weight of it, literally. <laughs> and I'll go get the do back. So that Den just heads out and leaves the steadly you know, why didn't all three of them just walk together? I just realized while saying this. Just all three go off together to get the do back, bring it back, and go. Because everyone's an idiot here. Everyone, that would have been Finnick's plan. The men are idiots. It's fine. So Toro and Finnick camp out until morning. And Finnick's all like, oh, what a beautiful day for deception. And Toro's like, what do you mean? And Finnick's like, look, dude, that Mando, he's hot. And that armor is, like, worth so much money. And Tora's like, I don't care about credits. I just want to be cool so my dad will love me. And she's like, well, that's not going to happen. But I heard about this thing that happened in episode three. And Tora was like, oh, man, episode three was really good. And Phoenix's like, I know, Deborah Chow was such a good episode, right? And they're like, yeah, I loved it. And she's like, I heard that there was a Mandalorian who shot up Navarro and took a child with him. And Toro's like, oh, a child. She was like, yeah, I bet it was green. And Toro goes, oh, that was not his cat. I, I thought that was a really ugly cat. So I'm glad that that's a real child, not a cat, because that was a horrible cat. And Phoenix's like, so I'll tell you what. We'll take down the Mando together, and then I'll keep the money, and you can get the credit, and you'll be famous. And Toro's like, that sounds great. Psych. And he shoots Finnick in the stomach, and she's just like, ow, right in the day Filoni. And she falls over. And then it's sad. So Right in the, the day Filoni? Right in the day Filoni, you know. This is a very Dave Filoni episode with his penchant of murdering women for the to further all men's plots. It's fine. Right, right in the old Filoni baloney. Right into the old Satine and so and and oh, and Stila Guerrera. And, you know, Master Tip Lee and everybody right, else that's right. ever been killed in the name of furthering man plots. You know, it's a Dave Filoni episode. It's very much him. Uh, so she gets shot in the Dave Filoni. Um, and Toro's like, ha ha! And he rides off to go after Grogu and Pelly. So Den is having just the most lovely time with his back. He's just like, I love you, back And back's just like, thanks, friend. He rides back and he sees that Finnick is on the ground dying. He's just like, 
Oh, fuck. He turns his dude back around, starts riding back to town, and he gets back to town, he gets off the do-bag, he's just like, I love you forever and always, do-bag, go be free. And the do-bag's like, thanks, and he rides off like, that was fun, and goes off to the Do side. come back, friend. <laughs> do- <laughs> if it was Yoda saying it, he'd be like, do-bag, come, friend. <laughs> anyway. Hello. Superman that hoe, it's fine. <laughs> you know, 2002 references. Anyway, back to the act. Um, so Din gets back there, and he, like, sneaks into Pelly's grudge, and he's, like, looking around, and the pit droids are all like, we're scared! And he's like, it's gonna be fine, pit droids. I still don't like you, but I'll protect you and find your mom. And the pit droids are like, thanks, Mr. Mando. And he comes in, and Toro comes sauntering off the Razor Crest with Pelly at gunpoint and Grogu in his arms and Grogu's like, Dad, help me! And Pelly's like, you son of a bitch. This is what I get for babysitting! And Toro's like, hey, Mando, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna kill you and take your baby and I'm gonna have so much money, but why don't you first take off that armor and stuff so I can keep it? And Din was like, you want me to take off my armor? He's like, actually, no, no homo, it's fine. We're not gonna do that, it's fine. No, no, no homo. And <laughs> and he's like, Pelly, go handcuff him. And she's like, this is a very kinky episode. And she comes over <laughs> and she starts to handcuff Mando and she sees that he's holding a flare that they used to blind Finnick. And she's like, you're the smartest boy. And he's like, close your eyes. And then Jen flashes Toro. And Toro's like, oh, my eyes! Because he's I'm in the middle of a monologue. How can you do this? I'm monologuing about my evil plans. Ah! And then Den's like, okay, bye. And he shoots Toro dead. And the world rejoiced that the world was free of Toro Calican. And we never have to talk about him ever, ever, ever again. But then Pelly panics because when he died, <laughs> Toro football spiked Grogu on the ground. <laughs> and she's like, where's the precious baby, boop, snoopa baby? I need him. Where's my baby? And then they find Grogu. And he's like, I'm durable. I force bounced. I'm fine. And she's like, baby. And she picks him up. She's like, I love you, you little boop snoop. I'm going to keep you and send your dad on his way. And you're mine forever. And Din's like, no. I'll pay you to give you my son back. She's like, okay, I like money more. So she gives the son back and he gives him all the money. And she somehow fixed the ship during all of this. And then they fly off in the Razor Crest to go on their next adventure. But meanwhile... Someone comes out of the desert, and he's walking slowly, and he comes up to Finnick's body, and he looks at her, and it's Boba Fett, and Boba Fett's like, oh man, this looks like this woman had got the Dave Filoni treatment, but she's so beautiful, and I love her, so I'm going to save her life, but we're not going to find out about this until episode four of my show, but we're going to be partners wink wink and Finnick looks up and she's like I would love to be your partner wink wink and he's like yes it's all gonna be subtext because if we too burped Chris right. <laughs> I'm having a moment here <laughs> are you done I am she's like be my partner but I need you to fix me first and he's like I can fix you all the time 
we're gonna have a whole series together. And she's like, oh my god, bridal carry me to the mod shop. And he picks her up. He's like, I'm gonna bridal carry you. And he takes her up. And they're like, let's go. We'll see you next season, folks. And they ride off into the sunset where he saves her life. And then they make out. And they, as they're walking, there's the dewback. And the dewback's like, hey, guys. And they're like, awesome, dewback. And they get on the dewback. But the, there's the bantha. Oh my god, I need to end. There's because Boba has a bantha. The bantha and the dewback fall in love. Ah! Band. Then they make a banth back. A banth. A dutha. A dutha. A dutha. A dutha. Yay. <laughs> I, I had to go a little bonnet for you there at the NRZ. You're welcome. Thank you. I appreciate it. They're going to be like, yeah. they're going to be like, do you remember our first date at the cyberpunk mechanics? <laughs> you carried me over the threshold to the, to, into the, into the garage. I love when my ships do a bridal carry. I love it. <laughs> I I'm so on Dutha because I just thought of the Gravity Falls line where where Mabel was just like, Can you make a badger and a snake fall in love? And the love god was like, Kapow! And she's like, Oh, they're gonna make a snadger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Arzu, as our lovely guest. What were some of your thoughts on Act Three? I think in act three we see toro do the one smart thing he's ever done in his life and that is not trust fennec because he was right not to she would have absolutely handed him his ass and would have been right to do so um i like love love that her death wasn't final i'm wondering now if she had had this conversation with dave prior to them finishing this episode because i don't know what the stinger with boba fett would have been otherwise if she was meant to stay dead i mean yeah. boba fett could have been coming anyway but like they had to put that scene there's no reason to put that scene you know because i mean if you're gonna hint boba fett why have him coming up on her body you know although it yeah, could have like, just been been like you know, just showing that he's one step behind them or something. But like, yeah, That's he true. It, um, I'm, yeah, and considered that that maybe it was just Boba is following them for whatever reason. That's, that's a good point too. Wonder because like that's clearly not Tamar Morrison no. walking. That's clearly not him. Um, so I I don't know. On one hand, I could see how this was like kind of like an added on thing, but on the other hand, I also kind of feel like you know maybe they were getting ready for Boba Fett, and this was just a tease already planned. Like I I would love to see the script, um, like the original script before like me now was like, please don't kill me, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I would I would love to know what the what the process of that was. This a reshoot edition because this is not a taxing scene to add in you know what i if, mean if no. anything we know it's a reshoot because it's brighter than the fight scene we can actually see it you, you <laughs> that's, could, true. Yeah, you... that's also i admire fennec's absolute refusal to die because toro shoots her first thing in the morning and she's there all day so just her her refusal to die from a gut shot is extremely she's, impressive she's like my my ship senses are tingling i feel my boyfriend coming she's like, this is alive. too stupid a way to die it's I not happening. If my boyfriend can crawl his ass out of a Sarlacc pit, I can stay alive no, for him to bridal carry me into a tattoo parlor. Wish.com wish James Franco is not going to be the end of me. That's not how, that's not how that's, Fennec ends. That's not how the mighty Fennec Shand will fall. No, that's not how Listen, Isaac said, listen, listen what? I mean, in real life, like, yeah. No, that, just like... I was making a chef's kiss gesture, and then I realized neither of you could see me. <laughs> so I'm going to dial that back. Mwah. 
just hey. well, it was so chef's kiss. You just gotta like vocalize it. Uh, you said, you know, yeah. you have a little duck hand, put it to your lips and go, Mwah. Yeah, I'm like flailing. I'm like, my camera's off. They can't see what I'm doing. See, that's funny because I actually act out all the recaps. So you would have seen me acting it out. And I it's... can hear you acting it out. <laughs> I can it's... hear, I can hear you acting it out. Yes. I'd, I, I'd, I heard I gained her do 500 that for years. Steps in the course of my, my Fitbit has gained 500 steps in the course of doing this because I acted out. <laughs> I like, love that. Like five years I heard, I've been listening to Hope do her, 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 um, synopses. And, uh, I don't remember what it was for, but there was one we did where you were on camera. We had a guest or I, something. I think it was Brian from Pink Milk, I think. Yes, Cause, yeah, because that's where we saw yes. Tom and we saw Roxy as well and his we kids. kids and stuff. Yeah, it was Brian yeah. from Pink Milk. And so you were on screen. And so that was like the first time in five years I'd seen you do like do one in like in real, you know, in person or, you know, like I could see you doing it. And it was exactly like it sounded like it was just like <laughs> like I wasn't sitting there. It took me like halfway through it to be like going like. Oh my God, I don't think I've ever seen Hope do this before. And it was so much like just listening to it that I didn't even really think about it till it was like halfway over. I think it's because I see Hope talk in other contexts on camera. So I have this uh -huh. perfect image of what Hope looks like when she talks. You've got the like, whole visual vocabulary down. Oh yeah, I'm fluent in Hope. I'm blushing over here. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'm blushing over here. It's fun. It's fun. I enjoy it. It's fun. <laughs> Chris, what were some of your thoughts of Act Three? Um, just my surface notes. It's got the uh, another thing is I hate when like, okay, I don't have like, I don't really have things that are me that I say over and over again. You know, like uh, the the. the She's no good to us dead, which is, you know, his line from from Empire Strikes Back. Um, and my other. Uh, I don't know where you're going with that point. What do you mean? That's well, Boba's line, though. It, it, it's just I it was I just noted it as a callback line that though I'm not too I'm never too keen on the callback lines like that. It's like, oh, I know that. But it's like it's very ham fisted. I, yeah, yeah. It it doesn't do it doesn't do it. It doesn't like feel like it's a resonance with the past or anything like that. It just seems like it's put in there to It's I Dave Filoni poking you on the arm going, "Get it? Get it? Get it?" That's I, I what it get is. It. I get it, Dave. <laughs> Dave, I get it. Dave, stop Dave. touching me. Dave. <laughs> Dave. Get out of my house. Stop it. <laughs> so why is my cat on your lap, Dave? Well, well, you see, his name is Zeb. Stop sounding like George Lucas, Dave. Give me your hat. Put your get your hat. Get out of my house. Give me my cat. Oh, and oh, my my only other short note is uh, <laughs> the end of uh, the end of Franco is hey pit boy pit droids uh, get rid of that corpse. <laughs> <laughs> go drag go drag that corpse off. It's like the it's it's the. We drag him off to Beggar's Canyon. It's not anywhere. It's Beggar's Canyon because I know Dave Filoni wants you to know that he has seen a new hope. There's only one canyon in tattooing, the Beggar's Canyon. I just uh, imagine like Dave with just like a big smile, just like leaning over your shoulder, just like 
Hey. Get it. Get it. <laughs> and then they throw him in a canyon. Do you know? Can you guess which canyon? Guess which canyon it is. A Grand Canyon? No, it has to be Becker's Canyon. I'm Dave Floaty. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't think of this at the time watching the episode, but it became shockingly clear to me three weeks later after episode nine came out. But it's like when Palpatine is talking to Kylo Ren and he says the pathway to the dark side is the dark side is a pathway to abilities many consider unnatural, whatever. I'm like, why are you using the exact same phrasing you used in a casual conversation with a man 60 years ago? Why is this still right. at the top of your mind? Hey. And it's the same energy in this episode where it's like, why, like, why is this specific thing what you are thinking of? Unless it's just to be like, get it, he's get like, it, get it. A, he's a zombie, you know. He only has like two working brain cells at the moment. That I is like, true. Like, that is a, true. He is a himbo. He might have a limited amount of phrases. And Palpatine like, is not a himbo. No, definitely not. But like, as somebody who does tell the same story to different people, like more than once, I can guarantee you my phrasing is never the same. Like, I don't remember the way I told the story. I remember the content of it. I'm not going to sit here yeah. and quote myself yeah. several decades after the fact. But that's not the point. The point is, like, we've got, I think it was Mando saying she's no good to us dead. Yes. Why is he quote? Mando hasn't seen The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> you know Mando's what I like, mean? Mando's like, that's my favorite movie, guys. It's the best one, you guys. Like, And, and Finnick like, sits up and she's like, no, the best movie is Last Jedi. And he's like, we I need to go make a YouTube. I need to make a YouTube video about why you're wrong. No, that would actually be that would be Toro. Like Mando, R Mando drinks his respect women's juice, and Din would be like, "Oh yeah, the Last Jedi." And Toro would come back from the dead of like, "I need to go monetize my YouTube now about why you're wrong." Well, <laughs> he was having. All I can think of is he was having a moment because maybe he and Boba were in the guild before, and he'd heard about Boba. It was sort of his own way of pouring out a little beer in the sand of tattooing for for Boba. So he so he just like had a That's, little moment where itself where he said she's no good to us dead. Ha <laughs> ha. I, I almost you, wanna agree because we do have the opening of the episode where the other bounty hunter uses Boba Den's line and Den's like, That's my line. So I kinda like this idea of like them all just like sitting around a table just being like, You can't say that. That's my line. They all but Den's got like own. a catchphrasey line. Boba's thing isn't like No, he's that no was good just, to me. Den like Yeah, he's, no, that's just a sentence. He's making a comment say. to Vader, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, it's not like a it's not like a quirky phrase or something, you know. It's literally just like it, it's it's as, about as stand out worthy as like past the salt. Well, that's that's what Boba, that's what Boba Fett was before Book of Boba Fett. So you know, or before look, Grief Karga has a one hundred and one class of just being like, all right, welcome to Bounty Hunters Guild, everybody. First of all phrases make sure you say they're no good to me dead that is that's going to be on the test everybody you gotta make sure you learn it and that's how it works is they have what they have bounty hunter classes and if you fail cargo cargo yes <laughs> um oh so, go ahead go sorry um i uh, just another thing i wanted to mention is like you know back in the when the prequels came out people are like this doesn't look like Star. It's all doesn't look like Star Wars, and it, it's different and stuff. But all the stuff from the prequels, like uh, what struck me with that is, I mean, when we got the man, you know, like, you know, J Boba Fett and stuff in there, and, or the Mandalorians and stuff. But like the pit droids and stuff. But 
now I that we're in the, the a world that's I sort of like a, so much. It's, I love the them. droids like fit right. Like when we're in tattooing, we're sort of more in the world of the old, like the original trilogy and stuff. But all the like prequel elements just mesh perfectly with with the the entire world of Star Wars and don't feel out of place. And, you know, they don't feel like, oh, that's from the, pre, you know, a prequel thing. And, and it I, seemed I like say, at first they were kind of touchy about doing like going into prequel stuff beyond Clone Wars because like people are touchy about the prequels or stuff. But n now I think it's a badge of pride and people like seeing stuff from the prequels. And I think that's something that I will say Dave Filoni does do well is because he did Clone Wars yeah. and Rebels and he's played in these sandboxes so much. He knows how to mesh together these worlds very well. Yeah. To where the pit droids aren't quite as shiny as they are in The Phantom Menace. Um, they're a little bit more like they move a little slower and a little jankier. Like they're clearly older, even though they're pre like prequel elements. And he's that's what he is really good at doing because he has done it multiple times before. I mean, I, I always think of the line, um, it, it was the Rebels episode where the Separatist droid and the battle droids are fighting, like, Rex Canning and Ezra. And there's just, like, a little simple line of them just being like, oh, a ray shield! And Ezra, who's a uh, original trilogy's kid, has never seen this. And he's like, oh, who's Ray? <laughs> like, <laughs> such a good moment. Like, that's something that Filoni does really well. Yeah. And my only other note is it got sort of decimated a little bit by... I did not know that like Fennec was supposed to die in this because I'm watching this and I'm like, now that I'm watching Book of Boba Fett, like I was like, boy, I'm seeing how much of, you know, how much of stuff in the future they were planning already in here. And now I'm starting to rethink that and think that maybe they, you know, like she said, hey, can you make my character live? And and things just sort of evolved, you know, like maybe they weren't thinking Boba Fett was going to be, you know, you know, of, you know, raised by the, you know, raised by the Tuscans and stuff. But that one scene in, in the Mandalorian, they were like, hey, you know, it would be really interesting if we explored that further. So, like, I'm I'm beginning to have my doubts how much of it was planned out and how much of it they just organically, like, and seamlessly wove well. together. I'm Googling it right now, and it was, this episode came out, what, in 2019, I said, December 2019? Um, the Boba Fett movie was canceled in the year before, in October 2018, so probably when they would have been, like, filming all this and stuff like that. So, maybe that's when they were wanting to start putting down the groundwork for the Boba Fett show, and, like... It's again, hard to tell, I mean, because they, they, they yeah. bind it all together so well. You know, I mean, because basically we just saw this whole scene, the whole scene with the flares play out and Boba Fett walking out, play out yeah. in As Boba Fett. As of recording this episode, everybody, the Finnick Boba episode with the flares, episode four, I think it is, just came out last week. Like, the, yeah. so like it just happened. Um, just so you guys have some context of where we are in Book of and, and I was starting to think that they 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 plant like when they but when they were doing this for Mando, they were like, yeah, and we'll be coming back to the scene in Book of Boba Fett and stuff. But not maybe maybe they weren't. <laughs> I, it's such a strong choice, though, because just like think already in such a short amount of time, how much Finnick has done for her. Because can, can you imagine her dot being dead? And no. not well, that's the thing is they sort of I mean, that that's the thing is. Like if if she was like, I mean, 
like because I think that like now that I'm thinking about it, I think that they did plan for her to be dead because the Mandalorian, he's a little early on in his arc of getting softened up by the kid, but he's still not like just super ruthless. And, you know, like he's never been super ruthless. He's a dumb. Right. Right. But but he if, if she was still alive and like obviously alive, he like would have probably been like, uh, and like. And he could have brought her in and collected a bounty on her anyway, too. So, well, I guess he couldn't have gone back to the guild with her. But um, but either way, he probably wouldn't have just left her to die in the desert. You just left her. Yeah, late, that's, that's not late. a Dinjarin move. Right. No. So they probably filmed that just with the assumption that she's dead, you know. But the, the, but the way her character was written and, you know, it especially watching it the second time but i'm flavored by knowing that she's a continuing character after that but um because that was a very common they they really set her up like her she she seems like she's going to be an ongoing character but they might have been doing that just for the shock of she gets killed i think i think that's what it was like it knowing the origin and knowing that she wasn't supposed to come back, it does read very much like Ming-Na Wen likes Star Wars and would like to be in a Star Wars and is just here. Like That's why they're like, oh, she's a master assassin. She's very scary. And then like the fact that she isn't in the climax at all, that she's really only in the middle of the episode because the episode is mostly about like Din and his his arc as, as a parent to Grogu. So I think they did a good job in like keeping it vague for Fennec so that when they do yeah. bring her back they don't have to walk a ton back. They haven't, you know, they don't have a ton of stuff to incorporate, but they've left enough interesting possibility and a really talented performer that it it is very seamless to, to bring her in and make it look deliberate. Because that was, that was a, a gripe that I like, actually, no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't even say gripe. That was a very valid point that a lot of fans were making was you don't bring me Nolan into star Wars just to have her be in one episode. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Like it's, and I don't, kudos to her for vouching and fighting for her character because I, I probably at this time bad bash would have to be in production it would have to be because animation takes well several years to develop um and, and takes a lot longer to put out than live action so she probably would have already been doing her bad batch stuff so they probably are had plans of her, her prequel stuff in Bad Batch, and then this, and that would have been it. So good for her for fighting for her character and just being like, you know what, Dave? No. <laughs> like, well, who, yeah, but but she also might. They also might have not been. That you know, it might have been like you know, she's. I don't know if she's super expensive as a as an actress. She's, but, she's up there. She's one of the better. Yeah. yeah. And like they, they might have been, like, the been ca- like they this is a higher have, cameo than Bill Burr or Bill Burr or Gina. So. Right. That, they they might have thought that you know when when she showed interest in being like you know hey I could I I wish I didn't die I'd I'd be on the show all the time they might have been like <gasps> yeah yeah because because I mean you get somebody it's it's like when Samuel Jackson calls up and says I want to be in Star Wars and you're like Samuel Jackson wants to be in this movie and like. You go like, okay, I'll give him a cameo, and they'd be like, no, I want to be, I want to be in all the movies, and you just go, oh, okay, and then you like, and you, you do whatever light, you light need your lighter to, under to your palm to make sure you're not dreaming or something like that. So you know, it might not have, she might not have had to fight for it. She just might have been like, hey, you know, she might have just been like, maybe I should drop a hint and. Uh, 
What did you say? I didn't hear you. No, I was going to say, if it's like Samuel L. Jackson wanted to be in all the movies, or I mean, no one wants to be on the show regularly, you write what you have to write to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you have anything? Oh, I, <laughs> I do have one Well, and, and, and with Book of Boba Fett, you have, and there you have, like, two extremely strong physical strong actors and they're strong physical actors too in the leads and it's just you know yeah you're just you're you're starting out with gold right from the beginning did you have anything else for this episode Arzu? no that was it i'm glad i'm glad they brought her back i'm glad pelly got to come back i really like pelly i hope we see more of her oh it can go visit i don't know I, I did shriek in Book of Boba Fett when we saw Pelly walking in the background with her pictures. Yeah. I, I was just like, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, the only other line uh, note I have is this has the pacing of an animation episode. Um, something that I, you know, when, when we were doing Clone Wars and Rebels and Resistance, because there were commercial breaks, you could you could break the episode almost down to the key of 777 for to fit like the 22 to 23 minute um episode runtime so it was like a 777 and this act almost down to it was 10 10 10 yeah and yeah it was it like has, like out just on the edge of 11 yeah <laughs> and and it just it has the the pacing of clone wars or rebels or resistance and i love it because it's such a nightmare to be like here's a 45 minute episode break it into three acts and i'm like oh, i gotta do math now but like it just felt like a felony episode of just being like 10 minutes into back one, 20 minutes into back two, 30 yep. minutes, show's over. And it just has the same pacing and feel of an episode of Clone Wars, which and it's, and that's what I love about this, which I'll talk about in a minute when we do our rating. So, uh, Chris, did you have anything else? No. All right, Arzu, it is time to give your final thoughts on the episode. I would like you, on a scale of one to 10, Rate this episode and say why you rated it that. I and you're it, also a guest, so if you want to be like, I rated it a 25 and a half, like you can do that because <laughs> you're a guest. I was going to say like a 7 out of 10. Um, it does lose a full mark for Filoni poking me in the arm and screaming, get it in my ear. Um, it loses a mark for killing Fennec Shand, even though she came back. And it loses half a mark because Toro Calican bugs me. And actually, no. So let's make that a seven and a half because I want to bump it up a little bit because of what they did with the Tuscans, which I deeply appreciated. And I like I like what it does for Din's character. I like that it is more character driven for him rather than plot or purpose or MacGuffin driven. I enjoy that, even though Fennec is a little bit of a MacGuffin, but it is more of him trying to provide for his son which i appreciate so yeah seven and a half out of ten i don't think the math lined up but we're gonna go with it that's fine who knows how to do math it's too late for i teach math hope this is a problem oh i was about to say we're writers we don't know how to do math i teach math i can't good i don't know how to do math and i'm fine with that (laughs) chris how would you read the episode i gave it i gave it my uh solid good but not out you know not not i mean there's i it's almost like you can't get through a single episode of the mandalorian without something being either plot wise or cool wise stand out but this is just a good 
you know, standard story episode, you know, like, you know, building it, building in the, well, we're in the, we're over the hump of the, the season, but it's, 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 you know, a, a building up episode. So eight, you know, it's a, a solid, the, the, the template score. I have victory. I have the highest score. <laughs> you, you win. And I, and I think so much of it is like the Dave Filoni get it things don't bother me. Um, and I think that's probably the difference because I absolutely see where you're coming from, Arzu. And mm -hmm. I totally see it. And I think the reason it doesn't bother me is because it reads so much like an episode of animated Star Wars in real life. There's because I'm so used to seeing that in animation of like kind of like the get it moments like you get it and it's just in animation is my favorite medium of star wars like i i'd rather have star wars animation over live action every day of the week 365 days of the year um and so like it just toro and peli are animated characters in live action and i love that about that it has the structure and the pacing of it um and i love what they do with the tuscans i agree with that as well and it also, like, in hindsight, like, when this episode first came out, if we would have recorded it then, I probably maybe would have given it, like, a 7.5 as well. But it's become such an important episode to set up so many other things. Like, we know Pelly comes back. We know Finnick comes back. We know Boba is being set up. So it is, it does have the weight of a, an important episode because it sets up so much other stuff later. And it's kind of has to be lifted up a little bit because it is kind of a, you can't skip this episode. If you skip this episode, you're going to be lost. So I I really love this episode because it is living, breathing, animated Star Wars in live action. And I adore it. So I gave an 8.5 out of 10. I love this episode. I love it. It's my babe. I Give haven't me... considered it as, like, live action animation until you pointed it out, though. Like, I can I... definitely see why why it resonates with you so much because of how much you love the animated stuff. It's, 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 he is shitty Kazuna Ziono. Like, if Kazuna's, he's Chase Rucklin! Oh, there it is! There you go. Oh, there you go, you're right. I could hear that click into place for you. He's, he's Fucklin! He's Fucklin, Chris, he's Fucklin! He's Fucklin! Is this a good or bad time to admit I like Rucklin? <laughs> No, it Fucklin is short for fucking Rucklin. No, um, I know, but is this a good time to admit I like the character? I no, I love Jace Rucklin. I love Jace Rucklin as a villain. I Jace Rucklin is one of the best written characters of Star Wars Resistance, but he is a shitbag and he deserves I wish I got to see him vent into space. Like he gets like the easiest death of all times off screen, and I'm just like, no, no. I wanted to see that fucking little alt-right Nazi wannabe realize that he's gonna die shit himself and then pee in his own face and die like i wanted to see it on screen like well, that's how tell us I how you really poop, feel then i want him to pee on his poop and then i right. want him to go into space and freeze and break like an ice cube and that's how well that character is written because i i had like very few characters do i have like a vehement like reaction to and Jace Rucklin is written so well that I just have this like visceral reaction to him because he's that well written. And Toro and Toro Calican is not shitty Kaz. He is Jace Rucklin. That's why I like that character because he is ah, he's not he's not written as well as Jace because Jace is not two seasons anywhere on. close. 
yeah but yeah oh that was such a release i felt like i just had sex that's great oh that was so, that was so good <laughs> i feel good my brain is great Whew. who needs sex when you can have realization in star wars it's fine anyway as always we would love to hear your feedback <laughs> <laughs> on that note there you go, listeners. A little okay. insight into Hope Molinex. Hey, I have segued on less. It's fine. <laughs> That's true. I mean, didn't we start this with me going, Yoda, I don't have a segue. We just talked about death of female characters. I'm sorry. Like, I've segued on less. But no, so really. If Yoda was cool, he would have written in on a segue and goes, segue you need? Oh, my God. Pocket that little, for next time I do that. Little tiny Yoda segue. Hey, after 305 episodes, there's only so many times you can have nice segues. We yeah. toss being professional out the window. Like sometimes, episode 25. You, sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't. You know, what are you going to yeah. do? We hit like Grievous Intrigued and talked about penis piercings and putting wrestling. We lost that a long time ago. Right, and that, that was like, yep. what, like episode 18 or something? I don't know. Yeah. We lost that along. Anyway, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Um, we're not doing feedback this week because we do have a guest and we are running a little bit long. Um, but make sure you get your feedback into it. We would love to read it. Um, we'd love to hear it on the show. And friendly reminder, as always, if you end up giving us a feedback for an older episode, just let me know because I'm not checking older episodes. So I need to know to go look for it. Just a friendly reminder. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. We love you guys so much. Arzu, do you have anything else left about the gunslinger? No, I can't think of anything. Chris, do you have anything else about the gunslinger? No. I don't either. So Arzu, as our wonderful, lovely guest, where can people find you? So the best place to find me is Twitter. I'm at Arzu Amin. Um, that's sort of where I like to everything I do. But to be more explicit about it, you can find me hosting space waffles and co-hosting the geeky waffle and straight out of home video podcasts on the geeky waffle network all of that is at the geekywaffle.com which is also where i do a lot of my writing um i write for a couple other places too i do book of boba fett recaps for wealth of geeks i write news at collider and i do something called the bi-weekly book review at rzud2.com um so that's all the star wars canon novels and i'm kind of looking at them to see how they all interconnect but this year because I'm running out of material um, I, and because Obi-Wan Kenobi is my favorite Star Wars character I am very shortly starting something called The Year of Kenobi so that is where I'm looking at the Jedi Apprentice series on my Ooh. site I have never read any of them so this will be new to me Ooh. and y'all can uh, follow along as I experience my baby boy so yeah that's me that was a lot but that's where you can find me because I've actually I've actually got the full Jedi Apprentice set sitting on my bookshelf that I put together over the years at garage sales. Nice. I spent the last year at like thrift bookstores and like I online looked, and just I looking everywhere and I finally got them all. <laughs> I remember that because I was looking for a few for you too. I was like, hey, I'm going to yes. thrift bookstore. So you actually sent me to, to thrift books to the website I, I, I used for most of them. I wish I would have known because probably around that time, because I end, you know, I, I would just pick them up when I was at garage sales, but I didn't remember which ones I had and which ones I didn't. So, I had doubles of them for a while. That probably oh, went to a used bookstore. That's all good, but yeah. So that's that's me. 
Um, I'm just making an, an audio note for when you're editing, Chris, um, because we weren't recording at the time. Remember when you make the photo, put space waffles. Yes, I remember. Okay, just I just wanted. I to... got it. I got it written down. Yeah, you're this. not gonna edit though, so I just want to make sure, like, you know, when you're editing. To... <laughs> so you'll hear this when you edit. So, just, oh no. Um, and they'll hear it too because I'm too lazy to edit it out. I I always listen to. Chris! Those, I, I always listen to those when I'm editing. I'll hear like Chris edit this out, and like I can tell by the tone of your voice which ones like, okay, that's got to go, and which ones are, I'm like, well, let's wait a minute, let's see. <laughs> Press. We have to act like we're somewhat professional as we talked about sure. on his own face. Today. Sure, as we sit here full of hot dogs. <laughs> if you want to see me on OnlyFans at Hot Dog Chaser 69. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't have an OnlyFans. But also support sex workers. They're lovely people. Um, anyway, Chris, where can people find you? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That's a website on the World Wide Web. Full of podcasts, chock full, bursting at the seams with podcasts and podcast related things, <laughs> which is usually pictures and text. And you can find all our lovely podcasts from the Two True Freaks Network, including this one. Um, we we if you don't are not a worldwide if you're not a worldwide web sort of just like um, go to someone's website type of person. You can just go on Facebook, on your Facebook, and put in Two True Freaks and find the Two True Freaks podcast page where we post up all our shows and the Two True Freaks cantina, which is just what it sounds like, a cantina full of freaks that you can go and talk to. And if you feel really brave, you can you can brave the wild, wild world of Twitter and uh, experience our Two True Freaks Twitter feed run by the wild and woolly Gene Gene, the, wi- the wide, wide world of sports machine. I don't know what... I'm trying to do the do-to-do's, but... Gene, but I was like, you're still talking. It's just like, I mean, Gene has... Gene is many-faceted, like a diamond, but, like, I don't know, we're probably on probably the, what, 200th... We, I don't know. We didn't start Yeah, we didn't start that right off the bat, but yeah, there's yeah, been a couple hundred of them. Yeah, it's hard to do 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 do, do, do jeans in a different oh, way every week. If we were real professionals, I would sit down like on Thursdays and be like, let me uh, draft out a few jean gags here. No, it's more fun when you just come up with them off the top of your head. <laughs> if you say so. Okay. <laughs> but that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? I mean, you're talking to the person with. Hot Dog Chaser 69 OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you there keep saying. Third time makes a comedy. Woohoo! You can find me at <laughs> You're the one who called James Franco a, a pedo. <laughs> Again, I would like to issue an apology to Jaco. To Jake, sorry, we love you very much. Um, no, you can find me at Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinets. Like Arzu, I also write for the Geeky Waffles. Um, and you can see my animation recaps over there. I've been reviewing Amphibia and Owl House and talking about um, the High Republic. A lot of times I talk High Republic with Arzu over on yeah. Space Waffles. We actually just dropped an episode today, so two weeks ago. <laughs> and uh, you can read my own work over at geekgirlexperience.com. And Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. That's oh, that's right. Shut up! I... 
been doing it. We're on a hiatus because life is hard. <laughs> but you can hear our old episodes because life is hard and I'm trying and how dare you. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying. Life is hard, Chris. <laughs> I have depression. This well, is only a happy face. You don't have to tell me, Hope. Oh, yeah. You know, we're living in the middle of a pandemic. Everybody has depression. Uh, how's your depression, aren't you? Uh, it's manageable. No, good, good. Mine's not. Um, what are we talking about next week? Ah, come back next week to another thrilling adventures of Jagas and Jedi, where we will be talking about Chapter 6, The Prisoner, and Hope's going to be talking all about transgender uh, Twi'leks, which I'm very excited about. And also, um, he, Chris is excited because he loves Bill Burr, but I'm excited to talk about transgender Twi'leks because I love them, and I'm so excited to come back. And It's funny, I like Bill Burr, but like at the same time, I... I was not excited about Bill Burr being in Star Wars until I actually saw him in Star Wars. Didn't think it was going to mix. Well, I would like to take a moment to say thank you for being on the show, Arzu. Yes. Again. Thank you so much for having me. For, like, having, like, like an actual, like, you know, not just me and you hanging out talking about higher public and crying. You know, you <laughs> I got to meet Chris. I did. I mean, I talk about Chris all the time. So. I know. And I, feel, and I feel like I know Chris, but now I, like, actually know Chris. Well, you are welcome back anytime. Anytime. I, I adore you. We'll, we'll probably after when phase one completely wraps up. I definitely want to have you back to have like a phase one. Well, that, that's we have episode. we have an we have yeah. a we have a open excuse to to get her on Book of Boba Fett and the Bad Batch. Oh, you should already Keeps know. The door open anytime Fennec Shan's here, and I'm gonna be like, "Sup, okay. guys!" And you're gonna be like, "Not this bitch again." I was already <laughs> planning on asking you to be on the episode when Fennec comes back next season because it's also the first like full Boba episode. Here, uh, oh, here's a bet I'm we can come have. back on then and start plugging this Boba and Fennec fic. No, I'm kidding. No, you can talk I, I all about nice, fanfics I, here. I have a nice bet, uh, friendly bet we can we can do right now. Okay. Right. I, I, I just thought money, I just okay. thought of it. So where where do you think uh, it does, it can be just a question but we can it, it'll be a bet we'll see who's right where do you think do you think when because you know it's it's probably gonna happen when Boba Fett and um, Omega meet will it be in Cartoon Land or will it be in Live Action Land? Ooh, where will cartoon that land. where will that happen? I that that's what I'm leaning too. towards too is Cartoon Land. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen in live action. I think it's going to happen in the cartoon. I think it will happen in live action too, but I think it'll happen in like down the line and it'll happen in the cartoon first. See, okay, here, here's a question. Do we know if Boba is an ongoing series or a one-shot series? Like I don't know. Series? I don't know. It, pro- it might depend on how it goes. Hold on. Know. Hope needs knowledge before she bets non-existent money that's not going to be exchanged. Um, let's see. Book of Boba Fett. Where are you, Wikipedia? Hey, our, by the way, our friend even, Maggie's even if Book of Boba Fett is a running, there's probably there's ways that they could do it in other shows or in the Mando. So. All right. Interesting. So it says that it's just a television series, which implies that it has more seasons. But I'm getting the right. feeling that Boba's going to be a one-season show because um, it's supposed to be like. Mando 2.5. I'm gonna be different because I could see I could see them bringing in Omega to lead into Bad Batch season two and in the spring. So I'm gonna go live action on this one. I, I could actually really see Omega just being like, "Sup, 
And then going into like live action season two of explaining how they met. So I, I'm going to go the opposite. All right, All right. we're on I'm record now. Wrong. We'll find I'm never out. right about these things, except for when it comes to Comek and Sai making out. So I'm never right. Arzu knows what I'm talking about. I promise I'm not a crazy person. Laughs maniacally. Laughs in ship. I'm not crazy at all. <laughs> I need to just break out like my 90s anime laugh. Just like the laughs at ship. Every time <laughs> we have a guest and you say, when you're going into the first synopsis and you go like, Feel free to laugh. It, you don't have to laugh, but it helps my ego. I I'm always have to fight the temptation to come out of mute and like halfway through your first sentence, just go. Ha, 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 you have, you've done that. I'm, I'm, you've done that before. And it threw me I? off. I was really thrown <laughs> You've done that before, and it was really sad. It really scared me. I didn't like it. I didn't like Maybe it, that's Chris. That's why I don't do it anymore. Okay. Anyway, anyway, it's like after ten. All I right. Have good memory. You do. You do. I have good memory. I shut the fuck up. <laughs> Arzu, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. And I hope it was the chaotic fever dream that we promised. And then some. And we then always, we love guests. We always get to act up and act out and show off. That's yeah. all the fun of this podcasting business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right, you guys. We'll see you next week for The Prisoner. The Prisoner. Bye-bye. Say bye, Arzu. Bye. Bye. <laughs>